Now, when it comes to treatment for period pain, many women do feel at a loss. The only option that we seem to be offered is the pill or other drugs and devices that can actually interfere with how a woman feels within herself, along with the numerous other side effects that she may experience. Now, don't get me wrong, I do know that these options are super supportive for some women where they do need a reprieve from what they're experiencing. However, most women think that it really is their only option. In this episode, I am talking with Elodie. She shares her experience with severe period pain and how the lifestyle changes that she made supported her enormously. Rather than being at the mercy of what was happening to her month in and month out, she was supported to bring awareness and understanding to her body. And from there, she made self-care choices that made a huge difference. As you'll hear from Elodie, these changes were not simply revolving around diet and lifestyle, for example, which in and of themselves are super important but also had very much to do with her relationship with herself, how she felt about herself, about her worth, and the degree to which she would give herself a hard time throughout the month. I love this episode because it is very real, it's super relatable, as is the nature of reality. Please remember that all the content on these podcasts is for informational purposes only. Ensure you seek medical attention if you're wanting to make changes to your healthcare plan. Now let's head over to the episode and hear more from the lovely Elodie. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner, and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. In today's episode, I'm welcoming a friend and past client to the show to have a chat about her experience with period pain. I hadn't spoken to her in a while and we caught up a few weeks ago and she was telling me about her periods and how much they have changed over a long period of time. So I said, we have to share this on the podcast and she agreed. So here we are. A very warm welcome to you, Elodie. Hi, Sarah. How are you going? Good. So you live on the Northern Rivers in New South Wales, originally from Melbourne, so that's my hometown too. Mm -hmm. Currently working for an RTO in student services, which is a very busy job, I believe. Yeah, super busy, which is which is great, particularly at this crazy time. I'm super appreciative to have a job and um and be super busy. Yeah, so at the time of recording this, we're we're all in the COVID um bubble. (laughs) And you also run an amazing small jewellery business, which um, we will definitely give everyone the details for this later on. Now, in your intro, you said that you enjoy living a simple, healthy life that some might find boring. Now, I have a feeling that that 
simple healthy life that you're talking about Mm. may just be a key factor in what we're going to discuss today so as an intro to everyone can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like what's what's boring about it because to me that sounds pretty amazing um well I don't think it's boring I think it's super full I um I'm super busy in my day job, which, which, I, which I absolutely love. Um, as you mentioned, I also have um, my side business with my jewellery. I recently renovated my studio or turned my garage space into a studio, which is amazing and very exciting. And, but I guess by boring, by what, what others might perceive as boring is that I just, I don't, I don't go out in terms of out drinking or partying. I stopped doing that about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And now my life is just really, it's work, it's exercise, it's, um, it's a lot of cooking and it's being with friends and um, spending time with my housemates. And, it's, and that's pretty much it. It's just, it's very simple. And the simpler it's gotten over the years, the more full it's become, both in a, in a practical sense, but also in a, um, I guess, in a satisfying way as well. Like I don't, I don't have the need to, I used to always want to be, I used to always be looking forward to something, you know, whether it's a a trip or some sort of, I don't know, adventure. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love an adventure, but I'm not waiting anymore. I'm just enjoying life as it is. And that's in the simplicity of literally just getting up, doing exercise, going to work, coming back, cooking dinner, going to bed early. And I do go to bed early. I'm in bed usually by nine o'clock every night and I wake up quite early in the morning, which I love. I love those hours in the morning where it's really still. That's definitely my favourite. But yeah, that's what I mean by I guess some people might see it as boring because yeah, I don't I don't have the Friday night, Saturday night thing that, that I used to have or the spending my days at work longing for that overseas trip because I just I just don't care for that anymore I just there's a level of contentness that I have I don't know if contentness is the word contentment contentment (laughs) I knew something wasn't right when I said it (laughs) a level of contentment that I have now um that doesn't leave me feeling insatiable basically and and yeah and I love that I love that it's just so simple and that there's and hence um actually Living that way, I've not, I've really been able to appreciate it over this corona period where they, they've taken away all the entertainment from everybody, the footy and the, you know, can't go to the movies and all of that. And I've just gone, you know what, I have been completely untouched by this period pretty much because nothing's changed. Bunnings are still open, so I still get to go to Bunnings whenever I want. <laughs> and, and that's been perfect. And so is the supermarket. So I've really, like, everything has just been for me, pretty normal. For, for, so, anyone, for anyone who's wondering, Bunnings is a hardware store. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a hardware store, a mega hardware store. You can buy everything you need pretty much. Um, and, um, and I frequent that um, establishment quite a bit. So, so, yeah, so that's what I mean, that it might not look exciting, but actually I love my life and, <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's great. It's cool. It's very cool to hear you say that because I, I, I feel like um, what we're going to talk about probably later in the interview is your relationship with yourself and it sounds like that's been a big driver in terms of you feeling the, the richness and the fullness in life and in the simplicity of life without needing to keep filling, filling it up or filling yourself up. And yeah, I'm sure that's definitely. got a lot to do with the quality of the relationship that you have with yourself. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 
it sounds like you have a bit of a before and after in terms of some changes that you've been making in terms of, you know, the, the going to bed early. Um, yeah. And perhaps, you know, it sounds like you really enjoy your work and mm. um, that it's not, even though there's lots of it, it sounds like it's not, you don't get overwhelmed with stress. Mm. Would that be correct? Yes. Um, nowhere near how I used to. Well, I am, yes, and it's a, it's a good comparison, actually, the job that I'm in at the moment, which is extremely busy compared to a job that I, I used to work in in the design industry in project management and the job I had previous to moving up to the Northern Rivers was a very stressful job and I was in all kinds of overwhelm and my anxiety was was through the roof but I I have to say it wasn't that there's so many different factors all the time it wasn't necessarily the the workload even though that was huge it was was the environment I was working in and the way that every the business was run etc was was quite quite toxic Mm. and and I took a lot of that on whereas um then that was a massive it was a really great learning because it certainly taught me how not to be when I eventually decided to leave and then step into the jobs after that I took on a very different approach and that's also supported me too because actually in that in that period, which I'm sure we'll probably get to when I was in that very stressful and demanding job, I um, my period stopped for six months and um, I just didn't get them. My, my anxiety was, lit- I was very high functioning and I just kept going and on the, on the, out, on the surface you would have thought that I was completely fine and had it all together, but I, my body was just completely shot. And, um, and it was the first time that I'd ever experienced such a, a long time of not having a period six months of no period and at the time I was quite happy with it because it meant that I wasn't dealing with the ridiculous pain that I that I would get Mm. yeah so let's let's come back to that stress and the period stopping because that's really Mm. significant but can you also take us back to your history with period pain and give us a little bit of a snapshot of how how that's kind of how it started and how it what your experience was in the really sort of intense time mm-hmm. well i i can't actually remember what age i was when i got my period but i have a feeling i think it was either 12 or or 13 pretty sure it was 12 when i was in year 7 i don't recall getting pain straight away I don't even remember the first day that I got my period. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. But my earliest memory of, of, having, of having pain or getting cramps was, would have been maybe in year nine, roughly. I'm not sure. Um, but I remember walking home from the train station and I could barely get home. And I had to stop on the sidewalk and just crouch down because I just couldn't move. And I was only, I don't know, 100 metres away from home. And I also remember having experiences in the night where I was in so much pain at one point I went into mum and dad's and I thought I actually thought I needed to go to emergency I felt like I was giving I needed to give birth to something I needed to just get something out of me that was that was hurting so much but and that kind of went on it wasn't and I don't remember it being a consistently a consistent thing I don't think it was every single month particularly through high school and there was a there was a period I think when I in possibly in high school where it was the cramping that was really bad and I think at the time I would take um, naprogesic so it was ibuprofen Panadol wouldn't do anything 
And I think I managed it that way. By the time I was 21, yeah, it's it's a bit of a blur, but I don't know when there was a point where the pain then turned to needing, uh, feeling super nauseous, needing to vomit and also feeling very faint and getting hot and cold flushes and not being able to move or do anything. Like I'd be, I'd end up, I'd always have to take all my clothes off and get into bed and I'd be boiling and freezing at the same time. <laughs> um, wow. And that would be, that would be an, like um, or what I'd call an episode and that wouldn't happen every month. And it was always, in, it, at the time, it was impossible for me to work out why I, that would happen some months and not others. And usually it was day one that that would happen. And, then, and my periods were never particularly heavy. They were just what I would imagine just relatively regular, not, not super light. I've, I've heard I've had friends of mine who, who would tell me that they could get away with just having using a panty liner for their entire period. And, yeah, I definitely definitely didn't have a light enough period for that, but it certainly wasn't super heavy. So can I yeah. jump in there and yeah, just yeah, say, sure. okay, so that, that, that's a really strong description of someone in some pretty severe and intense pain, yeah. chronic pain. Mm. So... What what was your experience of, you know, I'm sure you would have gone to the doctor. I'm sure mm-hmm. you would have gone and said, you know, what's going on here? This mm. is not right. Yeah. What was what was the response there? What kind of support did you get? What was the recommendations? <laughs> um, well, like I'm sure with most people. Firstly, firstly, I remember when, when bringing it up with mum, because mum used to, I believe she used to have a lot of cramping in her earlier, well, when she was younger and actually still menstruating. But mum, mum's response was often like she would be um, a sympathetic towards me and what I was going through. But, but for her and with her, the way that she was brought up was that, you know, she was just told that that's just part of being a woman. Like it's unfortunate and it's horrible to see you in so much pain, but this is, you know, that's just how it is. And that's not to say, you know, you know, mum was horrible by any means in, in, in saying that, but that's just what she was taught. And mm. that's what that's what we're all kind of taught. Well, if you've got period pain, that's just, you know, part and parcel. You either get it or you don't and you're either lucky or you're unlucky. And so it wasn't, I, I wouldn't have gone to the doctor for quite a number of years. I don't, It probably wasn't until I'd heard other people saying, you know, uh, suggesting that the pill can actually really help with that. And so eventually I went to... I went to the doctor, I think maybe when I, I think it was around maybe 21, described the symptoms. It was, you know, noted down as dysmenorrhea, which really just felt like, you know, the medical term for a bit of period pain, but nothing, but no big deal. Anyway, so they um, put me on, they gave me a, the pill and I think I tried a couple, I tried two or three different ones. It's funny because I was actually doing some filing yesterday and as I was doing my tax and I noticed a bit of some blood tests and some medical stuff that I'd got the records of from when I was a lot younger and I was just putting it all, I was just filing it all away. And there was actually the medical certificate thing or whatever from the doctor when I first went there to get the pill, which is back in, I don't know, 20, I don't know, early, <laughs> back then 2013 or something. And, and the notes that the doctor had written not 2013, 2003, makes more sense because they're all handwritten notes. <laughs> and I had, I had made some notes about the fact that I had noticed that maybe it was making me, that the pill might have been adjusting my moods or um, making me a bit more emotional, a bit more 
there was just I just noticed that I'd made a few notes about what what might be going on. So we tried a few, uh, trialed a few different ones, and I think ended up going on a milder one. But basically, it was like yeah, yeah, just go um, go on the pill, and um, and that should sort that out. Yeah, and I mm. was on it for about eight years, I think. But um, but I also made notes about the fact that it didn't actually stop the pain. I think that it it band-aided, it was a bit of a band-aid, but it didn't, and I didn't have, the episodes weren't anywhere near as bad as I had experienced, but it didn't stop the pain. I still had the, like the ovary pain and the back pain, the back pain in particular never went away. Wow. And so at any point, did anyone ever say that they would investigate for endometriosis? Um, not in the earlier years of all the time, of all the times that I'd go back to get a new um, prescription, it was never mentioned. It wasn't, again, it wasn't until speaking with other women and then doing a bit of research myself, not a lot, but, um, but mostly just speaking with other women about the sort of pain that I'd experienced. And some of them would just be, be shocked because it wasn't their experience, but then I'd hear about like endometriosis wasn't like it was it was a thing but it wasn't really like you you're aware of it because you heard about it but you didn't know it wasn't something that well it wasn't ever recommended to me to go and, and investigate further no but um anyway eventually I just took it upon myself and I made an appointment with uh with someone that was recommended who specialized in in that area a surgeon and I described my symptoms and he said you know without without going in um, without doing a laparoscopy, so it's of course very difficult to tell because you can barely see it um, often in a in a scan. But he said it does very much sound like that, as opposed to being polycystic ovaries, because I didn't I didn't quite have the same symptoms for polycystic. But um yeah, so I kind of started the process. I um, didn't have private health cover, so I went to see this surgeon privately. But then I wanted to go on the public waiting list, and that was that waiting list is like I don't know a year long or something. This is when I was living in Melbourne. So I went on the waiting list for that. And that whole, that whole process is just awful anyway, because at some point you finally get a, um, <laughs> you get an appointment to see the doctor at the hospital who is just going through the motions and you're in there for five minutes. It takes, I don't know how many months to get this session only for them to, to just ask you what you're doing here when <laughs> you've organized the appointment with them. I mean, they've organized the appointment for you to come and see them before you then go on the waiting list again to actually have the, the surgery. But anyway, I ended up moving up to the Northern Rivers and I thought I'd just be able to transfer all of that waiting to this state, but that actually doesn't work and you have to start the process again. But by that point, I started to notice a shift in my periods and how they were. And um, so I decided to just continue on, continue the way I was I was going and the way I was living and just do the experiment for myself and just see um, how I go. And needless to say, I definitely don't need the surgery now. Yeah. And just to reflect on everything that you've just said there, like that's such a common story for women who experience pain or period pain. And it is like, you know, what your mum, you know, the way that she said that it was about, it was just part of being a woman. Mm. It's, it's such a common thread that uh, is imparted to us, you know, that, that that's just mm. the way it is and that we're basically at the mercy of our bodies, at the mercy of being a woman and this is just what happens and that any, and, and a lot of the time, you know, that any of the symptoms that we might experience that we go to the doctor for to say, you know, this just does not feel right is often uh, put in 
that basket of it being, you know, psychological and that it's, you know, we just need to get over it or mm. just, you know, this is just the way it is, take some painkillers or go on the pill. Mm. So what's interesting though is that what, you know, you just highlighted just at the end there that was you you don't actually, you know, need to go down that path now. So there's obviously been some pretty dramatic changes that I don't think from knowing you and, and also from, from understanding your story is that it hasn't happened overnight, but mm. you have actually made some changes in your life. And if we, if we look at what pain is, you know, pain, pain is, um, or period pain, particularly where we're looking at an increase in, in what's called prostaglandins. And this is inflammatory, inflammatory markers in the body. And so for someone who has, um, for a woman who has, you know, moderate to high pain every month, mm. there have been studies that show that she has, um, if we're looking at from a physical point of view, that her body um, has these higher inflammatory markers. So higher, higher amount of prostaglandins and the prostaglandins job is to contract the uterus or contract the lining of the endometrium so that it sheds, you know, that's its job. But with an increase in these prostaglandins, it's basically you've got more than is needed. So there's more contraction that's taking place, more than is necessary. And of course, if someone has endometriosis as well, then there's going to be these lesions are also responding to that and contributing mm. to the pain too. So mm-hmm. in what you've what you've described is very much in in line with with all of those things yeah. but and, and a lot of things lead to inflammation or feed inflammation in the body so things like diet and mm. stress and mm-hmm. you know you talked about how stressed you were and you know the anxiety that you probably lived with for a very long time and then i'm sure you know you've changed probably things in the way that you eat as well you've changed the time that you go to bed all of these things might sound like really simple things but mm-hmm. they they've actually made a big difference in your body so or in your experience of the pain so can you talk about how how it is now and mm-hmm. what kind of changes did you make and have you made along the way as well as the obviously you've talked about it a little bit with the sleep Mm. but yeah what is it for you now well it was I when was it it's been about 12 years since I gave up drinking and since I changed my diet so that would have been around the age of 28 I'm 39 now hopefully that maps adds up yeah so I I stopped drinking um and I wasn't a huge I have to say I wasn't I didn't I wasn't a drug taker and I wasn't a massive drinker, but there was a, a probably a period of eight years, I think, that I, that I did drink for. And, um, and that was, yeah, maybe, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge thing for me. It was something that was, a, you know, try to fit in and do the social thing. But um, when I decided to quit drinking, it was super easy for me to do in, in that I just, it was a relief. It was like, oh, I actually don't need to do this anymore. And but I also changed my diet and that took a couple of years to do. I started to eliminate gluten and dairy from my diet and then became, I guess, completely gluten and dairy free uh, two years after that. So probably roughly in my, the start of my 30s or oh, from 30 onwards. 
Um, that's, that's quite significant because gluten and dairy both, you, on if we're, again, talking on a physical level, both very inflammatory in the body. Mm. So particularly particularly dairy with period yeah. pain. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's pretty significant in terms of like you do, and I do see a lot of women who have significant changes in their menstrual cycle when those two particularly dairy is eliminated. Oh, okay. Well, it's interesting because that would have been, if I think about it, I think it was actually 20, I was 27 when I started to eliminate gluten and dairy, but I would just weaned off it over a couple of years. So I took my time. So I think it was by, yeah, by 29, I think. But however, the pain, the pain hadn't stopped. It hadn't, I hadn't noticed any difference so much in, in my periods at that point, because I remember I, well, when was it? I, I got off the pill in my, uh, I think maybe 31 or 32 or 30, oh, maybe even, yeah, 31 maybe. But yeah, I stopped taking the pill. And then for the first six months after that, because my body, I could tell that my body was taking a long time to readjust after being on it for eight years. And then the pain, it was like, it was gradually the pain would get worse every month. It was like, it was all just ramping up again <laughs> um, after I'd kind of put it, I'd sedated it for a period and then it was all just had, it was almost like, it was almost like it was all just building up in that time, you know, whilst I had put it to sleep with the drugs and then, and then Mm. my body had to then kind of do what it needed to do before. And then now it was on my steroids. And, but the, the diet I didn't notice um, didn't make a huge difference, but as I, um, the more that I was starting to take, care of my body and um and start to become more aware of it I was able to to notice what things exacerbated the pain particularly stress like if I I remember I was living at living with my parents at one point again and if my dad was annoying me or he was whatever and I'd start to get annoyed or stressed out and I had my period and I had a bit of back pain it would exacerbate it in the moment like instantly the moment I would get worked up the pain would just start to spread and it would it would just um, intensify so I started to notice those things sugar is another thing that I, I started to notice a lot later a lot later on so probably in the last few years where sugar would, would exacerbate it there'd be certain certain foods even though my diet is relatively is, is pretty clean actually I, I mainly eat fish and lamb and greens I don't eat a lot of I don't eat a lot of carbs except for times when all I can think about is carbs. Um, so, um, but, but in general, my, my diet's pretty clean. But I, I noticed um, sugar was something that would, be, would, impact, would impact it a lot. But the stress thing as well would definitely. So it's been, yeah, so it's been a good 10 to, I don't know, 12 years of, of massive lifestyle changes. But even along the way, so they're just the, the big ones, you know, the going to bed early and the, um, and the eliminating inflammatory, the major inflammatory food groups. But then along with that, what's been possibly even more significant is the, the way that I've actually turned my attention to, to my body and, and actually started to appreciate it a bit more because it's always been something that I've literally just treated like a ragdoll. I would never have considered, and this has been largely supported by you, Sarah, and other practitioners within the um, esoteric women's health umbrella 
where I've, you know, so much has been presented in terms of how important or the fact that we have a body actually, to be honest, to keep it as simple as that. I mean, prior to, to any of that, prior to being, to exposing, you know, exposing myself to, to that, I just walked around with a head on my shoulders and that was it. Like whatever happened from the neck downwards, it's not really important. It was like, I just, aren't I here to just do stuff? I just, just do whatever my head tells me to do. And everything else just was, yeah, completely insignificant. And so once I started to recognize that um, my body and how I treated it actually had an impact on how I feel about myself and how I feel physically every day, things started to change. And like you said, it it certainly wasn't overnight. Like this has been a decade long process. So for me to be where I am today, it's been nearly 12, it's been, I think 12 months actually of having um, pretty regular periods because the two years before that, there was that six month period of not having any. And then another six months of very irregular, maybe only two or three periods, very irregular periods. It's been the last 12 months where I haven't taken any drugs at all. And I've had periods where I've barely even noticed that I've had a period in comparison to what I used to experience where nearly no pain. I actually had my period at the moment and I was um, just sharing with you, Sarah, before, before the interview, how I am. I had quite a bit of lower back pain yesterday, but that is, and, and there's been periods where there's just been no pain whatsoever. And, and, and it's, it's blown my mind. I would be so anxious at every month um, for when, when my period was due that, I mean, that anxiety alone would just exacerbate the problem. So anxious, hated my period, like just, just knew that it was something that I had to go through because, you know, it was an important part of, of the process, but I just was so, had so much disdain for it because I never knew when, um, if an episode would hit because occasionally, and rarely it would happen at work. It would mostly happen when I was at home, which was interesting. I'm digressing a bit, but um, there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> but, but the few times that it has happened where it's hit me at work, I am like, I'm, what's the word? Um, debilitated Mm. just completely like rendered completely like there was one time when I was in my super stressful job which is no surprise at all I was in a meeting and um I just went green basically and I was like I couldn't hold it anymore I had to go and lie literally (laughs) in the fetal position going onto the floor like three steps away I couldn't make it any further and I was on the floor just I just needed to be left alone and I just needed to lie down in the fetal position and I was like, I cannot do this. This is not a professional situation. Um, so that would really stress me out of when, when that might happen because sometimes it would just, it would just come. And for a period of time I was on this, I was given this other drug called Mobic instead of, um, cause ibuprofen, I started to react to that and get stomach cramps and that would, which would last for a week after my period. And it was just like, this is, this is no fun. <laughs> and so, but the Mobic, if, if you took it, I'd have to take it at the absolute first sign of anything and then it would last 24 hours. But if I missed the boat in taking the drug mm. um, and I left it too long because I'd, I'd try to avoid taking it, but if I left it a little bit too long, then it, that was it. And then if I took it, then I'd end up vomiting it anyway within within half an hour. Mm. So, sorry, I went off on a massive tangent. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, that's um, great. It's great. There's so There's so much in what you just said and particularly – I think what's being highlighted here is that there's 
there's the the practical things of, of the diet and you know understanding stress and going to sleep early and those sorts of things that mm. are really important in looking after yourself and mm. any woman who has period pain should be supported to understand these sorts of things these mm. simple practical things about their bodies but your what you're talking about is something that is even more expanded than that it's actually mm. talking about you you actually started talking about your relationship with yourself and your body mm-hmm. and understanding your worth is what i was hearing you say like mm. yeah. if you look back and go okay what what was what was your relationship to self worth your self-worth previously i mean you were talking about having disdain for your period disdain mm. for your body and you know those sorts of things then then yeah. and treating your body like a rag doll mm. then you know the the self-worth factor or meter is going to be quite low i would assume compared yeah. to where it is now yeah yeah no absolutely and, and just and on that as well it's like i when it was presented to me that because you don't get taught this at school that your period is actually um, it's there to to support a, a clearing of any you know anything that you've taken on in the month for example and it's actually yeah, and it's, it's actually a cycle like, yeah and then it's a yeah. cycle yeah exactly because yeah you, you don't yeah you definitely don't learn you don't learn I don't remember learning anything about what you about your period at all at school I think you just learnt what to, you know what tampons and what pads were and, and that's it I have no memory whatsoever it was certainly even if we learn anything it clearly wasn't um, significant enough for me to to remember or to to take it with me through my teenage teenage years but yeah but understanding getting a better understanding that it's actually your body's actually it's your period and even the pain is actually it's a support um, and that that was something that I've found, always found quite difficult to accept because I started to see, um, I saw it more as a punishment every time I'd get pain, like that I'd done something wrong rather than my body actually needing to clear whatever it was I'd taken on. And, and if I consider how much I did take on in terms of other people's stuff, uh, all the self-worth stuff, the self-bashing, all of that. So that's all a massive hit to my body. So I'm pummeling myself throughout the month. And then I get to a point where my period comes and now my body's doing its job and it needs to get rid of all of that poison that I've essentially just put into my body. Mm. And then like, like any disease, like we, if we, you know, if we consider that disease is just something that the body's trying to get rid of that's in the body, then it's not going to be pleasant, but, but how can we expect it to be when we just filled it with all the poison? You know, it's like, it's like when somebody, if you, if you vomit after, um, drinking too much alcohol well it, it makes sense like isn't that the most brilliant response the body could have mm-hmm. to purge every, exactly what it, to purge what shouldn't be in it so but that was yeah even though that presented to me made perfect sense but I did find it there was a lack of responsibility actually that I was willing to take and hence the reason that I had so much disdain for it because it was like I didn't want to for a long time. I didn't want to see the irrespons- irresponsibility that, or the part of irresponsibility that I was playing because why, yeah, what's my body clearing if it isn't because I've, I've polluted it with, with whatever. And, yeah, anyway, the point is it definitely doesn't, now I see it not as a punishment. It's uncomfortable and I don't, I don't embrace it so much, <laughs> but it's more that I go, okay, well, there's something, there's more to learn from, from this and I can kind of track back and have a look at, you know, where, where that might have 
you know, aware that I might have taken on um, the poison. But in terms of, I just said the word embracing, something that I have been able to do in the last 12 months is actually embrace my period more than ever, because particularly because I am at a point now where I don't, I'm not in, in um, suffering the chronic pain. And I can go, okay, great. So now I'm more accepting of the, um, of the clearing that I do get every month and I don't dread it. I just don't have any anxiety around getting my period anymore, and, um, which, is, which is a miracle in itself because I really didn't. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 25 years of, of pain. <laughs> I don't really have it anymore. It's, um, yeah, enormously significant. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you're, like you say, embracing and Mm. accepting of and also listening to the communication from your body because that's Mm. what it is really. It's really your body communicating to you constantly and that happens to us every single day of Mm. the month. So it's, it's really when we, and I often talk about this actually when I'm, um, either presenting or even just talking to, uh, you know, women in sessions is that it's the difference between trying to paddle upstream, like this have, have this constant intensity of trying to go against the natural flow of, of the cycle that is, mm. you know, constantly communicating basically mm. and showing us how we can support ourselves, what we need to do to take better care of ourselves, you know, what nurturing is about, you know, when we've sort of gone into maybe too much disregard, when we've stayed up too late, when we've eaten something that doesn't support us, you know, there's, there's so much that is going on all of the time. And it is, it is a very, very loving support for us that we are basically not taught about and we can, we can so often miss completely thinking that we're basically at the mercy of it all rather Mm. than seeing that we can actually make our own choices and that we're going around and around because it's a cycle Mm. each and every month and so we can we can actually make new choices and if we want to um so that we can experience something far more grander and amazing than what we've been sold the Mm. period is actually about yeah yeah absolutely so we might actually wrap it up there that's amazing Elodie so much valuable insight into period pain like really practical valuable Mm. insight into your experience so thank you very much look can I actually just ask you one more question yes what what would you say to a woman out there or a young woman potentially if she's experiencing intense period pain? What would be the one thing that you would want her to know? Um, actually, that it's not, and hopefully this doesn't contradict what I said earlier, just to know that it's not actually normal, even though, even though the, yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know what the statistics are, but even though a, an enormous amount of women experience it, it's not actually normal. So not to just accept it, accept that you get pain and that's the end of it and to actually just to investigate further just yourself with your, with your own um, and experiment with your own body because my feeling is that, you know, well, not my feeling, my knowing actually is that if, if we didn't take on all the poison or didn't treat ourselves like, like dumpsters, um, we wouldn't have 
pain. That's my, well, it's my knowing and my experience actually. Um, so I know that, so yeah, so just to not see it as, as normal and, and to be open to the possibility that perhaps there's something going on there that you, you could look at and, um, and not, I don't want to use the word improve because that, that's not what I'm looking for. It's um, just that there's, yeah, just to see it, see that there's a, an opportunity for greater self, greater self care basically and just to to not accept accept it as just being just what what your friend has or what your mum had or or whatever it's actually it's actually not normal and um it does it does need to be addressed Mm, that's super supportive advice because it is like you say it's very common but it is by no means normal and even just the very fact or the very act of going to taking yourself to a doctor and Mm. you know insisting that there is something not right here Mm. that in itself is a very loving supportive thing to do for yourself yeah Um, as well as all the things that can come after that but just to not see it as a life sentence and and that it's actually something that is there to to be investigated is um is really important so that's awesome thank you yeah oh and actually just i just have to add to this Uh, sorry (laughs) um to um with the going taking yourself to the doctor to not give your power away to the doctor as well because that's something that you know we do see people in those positions as um the word superior just came to me but but they don't doctors don't always know everything and this is not an anti-doctor thing at all it's just that they're they're taught a certain way and some some doctors are are not as open as other doctors and just because one doctor might convince you that there's nothing wrong with you but you know in your body where the doctor does not live in in your body that the something's not quite right then just go and see another doctor or speak to a friend see if anyone else has a recommendation because it can be very disheartening when you go when you know something's not right and you go to the doctor and then they basically treat you like you're a hypochondriac and you know, that's just the setup basically for you to then go, oh, well, it must be in my head and then you leave it and then you continue to suffer for however long. So if you know, you know something's not right, you have to trust that and you just need to, and the more that you trust it, the more the, the more likely, the more that you back yourself, the more likely you are to then find somebody who will support that. But if you go in there already thinking, worried about the doctor thinking that you're that you're weak or that you're, yeah that you're being pathetic or any of that then you the chances of them actually giving you that response are are quite a lot higher so it is important that to just to trust to trust what you feel and if if something doesn't feel right then you just have to you have to accept that something isn't right then Mm, yeah we we are the masters of our own body and we cannot forego that under any circumstances yeah 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 Amazing advice, Elodie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely amazing. Cool. Thank you, Sarah. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.